2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And remember, Paul is wrapping up this letter to Timothy, but also realize that he is understanding that he doesn't have long to be on the earth. He is in prison. Historical documents tell us that he was he was a martyr because of Christ. So it wasn't long after this passage, these passages, that he was martyred. So, all right, let's begin with verse 1. I charge you, therefore, remember, it's Paul talking to Timothy. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So Paul is charging him, which means to adjure a witness. In other words, uh, he's saying, you have a responsibility. I'm going to charge you to do something. And we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But he charges him before two characters, before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a solemn charge for Timothy, and he is not only charging him, not only is, Tim, is Paul charging Timothy, but he's saying before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is makes the charge even more important, has a little bit more weight to it because uh, of the mention of the Lord Jesus and of God. So he's, he's charging him. Remember Paul's here in a damp prison cell, uh, and the reality is set in that he will soon be going to the Lord, and who is the judge of all of us, right? And so he's charging him, and Paul is still believing in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, at that day and time, they were looking all the time for the Lord to appear. I think we need to be looking for that too, amen? Uh, every generation should look for the coming of the Lord, because he said he would come, we should still believe that. All right, let's look at verse 2. Preach the word. Wow. You can just stop right there. Preach the word. Not fables, not stories, not even testimonies, though those are good. But he said preach the word because it's the word that has the power, right? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince. Rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So preach the word. And how often and when should he preach the word? Always, right? We are living epistles, the word tells us. We are letters that people read. They read our life, they read our words, uh, and they're either convinced about the Lord or they're not convinced about the Lord. So uh, we have an awesome responsibility to preach the word. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. The Bible tells us that we're all priests, that we're, uh, you know, a part of the kingdom of God, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation. So we're a part of this. So what does it mean to be in season or out of season? At all times. When you feel like it and when you don't. When it's convenient or when it's inconvenient. 
What else? What about when you're tired and when you're not tired, right? When you are encouraged and when you're not encouraged, right? Uh, we're to preach the word. And so it's important. It's important for us to realize that we are always preaching the word. That our life is that testimony. So he's emphasizing this throughout this both books. And he's telling Timothy, as a pastor, you need to preach the word. That he is required to preach the word. To be ready in season and out. Preach when it's easy. Preach when it's hard. Preach when you see the fruit of preaching and preach when you don't see the fruit of it. Just preach. Nike has a slogan that says, just do it. Right? So we can look at each other and say, just preach. Right? Uh, and that's a part of what we're called to do. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. It's a warning for the future. It's a warning for, I believe, our day. Maybe even getting worse as we get even closer to the appearing of the Lord. But according to their own desires. So they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So, itching ears. Does that mean they got allergies? Uh, sometimes my ears itch, huh? Allergic to the truth, yeah. Uh, so that means they want to hear what they want to hear, right? Uh, they, they might not want to hear about living a holy life. They might not want to live, uh, hear about uh, being faithful to the Lord. They might not want to hear about being faithful, faithful to their spouse. They might not want to hear... Uh, of all the, you know, principles uh, of the Bible. So uh, Paul is telling Timothy, no matter what they want, you preach the word. Can I tell you, at times it's tempting to just preach things that would make everybody feel good. It's true. I mean, I like a good, feel-good sermon. And, and Sunday I pretty much preached one, you know. He's our champion, Right? Uh, preached about that, but there's times when we need to hear that we shouldn't, you know, be heading down the wrong path and towards sin. There's times that we need uh, to be encouraged to be uh, more in the Word and less in other things and uh, more, you know, into prayer and, and all those kinds of things. So we're to preach the Word. All the principles and precepts of the Word uh, Paul is telling Timothy, you need to make sure that you're preaching the word. Full, fully understood here that when he says preach the word, it includes and is vitally necessary to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That he came to earth, uh, that he uh, was born of a virgin, that he, you know, lived a sinless, spotless life, that he did miracles and that, that uh, you know, he, he never sinned and that because of that, the religious leaders of his day were jealous, angry, and they put him to death for that. I mean, had him hung on a cross and he died, but he didn't stay dead. Amen. The gospel is that he rose from the 
grave, that he, on the third day, that he ascended into heaven, and that uh, when he was in the bowels of the earth, that he conquered death, hell, and the grave, so that because he arose, that we have the hope that we will as well, and because he was victorious, we by proxy are victorious. What does that mean, we by proxy? Because he paved the way for us to be victorious, right? They will turn their ears away from the truth. Don't want to hear it. They'll turn aside the fables. They'll embrace fantasies. They may believe things like you have to earn your way to God or earn your way to heaven. Uh, they may believe things like uh, I'm just a good person. I don't need God. Have you ever heard that? Now, I've never heard them say, I don't need God, but I'm already a good person. Have you heard people say that? It, it, if, it, uh, if it was just about being good, according to the Bible, we'd never have any hope of it at all. Because God's standard is perfect. Perfection. We, none of us would think. All right, let's look at verse 5. Hope. Be, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. What's Paul telling him? Remember, he's about to die. He knows that he is going to suffer not only persecution, but death for the cause of Christ. What's he saying here? That's pretty much what he's saying. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be turning this over to you, so make sure you're watching for all the things that I've told you about. Make sure that you're ready to endure the afflictions that will come, do the work of an evangelist. What's the work of an evangelist? Spread the gospel, right? Uh, primarily, the message of an evangelist, but not only, is about salvation. Yeah, share Jesus. Preach the, the cross. Preach uh, the resurrection. All of those things. So, And fulfill your ministry. Don't stop shine fulfilling what God's called you to do, right? Be faithful all the way to the end. So be watchful. Be watchful. Kind of reminds you of uh, the position of a pastor is called a shepherd sometimes. Those who watch after sheep, sheep aren't aggressive with one another. They really don't have much way of protecting themselves. So they have to be watched for fear that an animal that is aggressive, like a wolf or something like that, will come after them. So watch them. The, uh, their eyes, you know how sheep spend most of their life? Not looking like this, looking around, but looking down at their food, right? Eating that grass, eating that whatever the shepherd might provide. So he's saying, Timothy, you need to be their eyes for them. Sheep are not real observant. A sheep will many times will step over things and down into uh, ravines and all that kind of stuff just to get to more food or to water. They don't really pay attention. So he's saying, Timothy, can I tell you that we need to do that for each other? We really do. Because, yeah. We're the sheep, but we're also, as Christians, we're, we're called to watch out for one another.
together too. So, and I'm, I'm just thankful that not only am I able to watch out and to help others, but then there's people who are doing the same for me. We all need to have somebody who is there for us. We really do. Uh, when it gets dangerous when people in ministry don't allow anybody to be their helper or their support. That's when you see people go way far out of bounds. So there is an accountability to be watchful. Let's read verse 6 and 7. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I've read this verse so many times at funerals. I cannot read it at a person's funeral that I don't know that they've done this. You have to keep fighting. You got to keep going. Uh, see, Paul said, I've been poured out as a drink offering. They would uh, pour out on the altar. Sometimes the, the oil, right, would be burned up. Uh, all, all those kinds of things. And there was nothing left. They poured it all out. So Paul's saying, I'm done. I have done everything that I can do in this life for the Lord since he put that call on my life. Paul is not going into heaven with a full tank of gas. I believe he's going as fast as he can. Uh, and he might just squall tires all the way into heaven. As he's, you know, he's saying, hey, I've done it. I've kept the faith. I've lived for the Lord. I've finished the race. I don't have anything left. Wow, what a testimony. Amen. That Paul can say here, the priest would pour wine out on the altar. It would burn up, right? Poured out. A complete giving. No reservation. That's what my uh, commentary says here. Are we completely sold out to the Lord? Or are we reserving something for just ourselves? Okay? Because God calls us to be totally committed to Him. How do I know that? What does Romans 12 1 tell us? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Present yourself a living sacrifice. Hold up a second. Right, so uh, a sacrifice doesn't hold isn't nothing held back with a sacrifice, right? Uh, it's fully on the altar. So Paul is saying, uh, "I've given everything I can. The time of my departure is at hand. I'm pulling into the airport, and my destination is heaven." Right? That's what he's saying. Wow. The, the, the old song talk about it, the good old gospel ship, you know. Uh, but our, that's what is your destination? Do you really understand that we're heading to heaven? Uh, if the Lord tarries, some of us are closer to our destination, but it's not necessarily about uh, age, is it? I mean, I have officiated many, many funerals that people were much younger than me. It's very sad. That we need to be ready for the time of our departure. Uh, and what Paul's doing is he's, just like I talked about 
way back when we first started Timothy, he's passing the torch or passing the baton. Do you have someone in mind to pass the baton to? Has the Lord shown you that? Has he put something in your mind? What, what, what are you passing on, right? What legacy are you passing on for someone to continue uh, to run? Because when I talk about legacy, I believe that most of the time, I used to say many times, but I believe that most of the time, God has an assignment for us that goes beyond one generation. And we see that in the Bible many times. We see it in the Bible. We see it with David and Solomon. God said, David, you've spilled too much blood. You've been a man of war. But I'll let you, right, raise the money. I'll let you uh, get the supplies. I'll let you do all these kinds of things so that you are ready to pass the baton on uh, to Solomon. Good Kentucky English. What are you fixing to pass on, right? What are you, what are you ready to pass on? I finished the race. Uh, Paul loved athletics, obviously. He talked a lot about athletics. So he was a, I believe, he might have been, uh, many times they portrayed Saul as a, as Paul as a, a little man, but if he was, he sure liked athletics a lot. That's where his uh, examples come from. Verse 8. Finally. We can stop there. One day there will be a finally, won't there? There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Wow. A crown of righteousness, which we don't deserve, right? Because it's really whose righteousness? It's his, right? We uh, are assigned the righteousness of uh, God through Christ Jesus. It's given to us. Didn't earn it. We can live for the Lord, but never be the righteousness like Christ is, right? So uh, God's going to give us a crown of righteousness, and I believe it's that crown that will lay at his feet, right? Uh, when we're in heaven, when we're around the throne, worshiping the Lord. Uh, just like you see in that scene in Revelation where the four beasts and the, and the twelve elders as they uh, you know, cast their crowns before the Lord. Well, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not a crown of royalty, but the victor's crown. The Stephanos. I really think this is interesting because I like little nerdy things like this. So the crown that Paul is talking about that we'll all earn, this crown of righteousness, also known as uh, the victor's crown, is called Stephanos. Do you remember when Paul was not serving the Lord? And the Bible tells us that he held the coats of those who stoned who? Stephen. Same word. Stephanos. So I wonder, did Paul, in his mind, in prison, 
knowing he's about to pass away, because I, I think what happened at Stephen's Summit, I mean, never left Paul's mind. Uh, I, I think it never left it, uh, Paul's mind. And he's saying, you're going to get a crown, a Stephanos, which means a victor's crown. And it's interesting to me, it's the same word for Stephen. A crown of life because we have been faithful to the Lord. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Paul knew he had a crown waiting, right? That's what he was waiting on. That's what he was living for, was to make it to heaven. But the good news there is that it's not just going to go to Paul. Now, of the many, many Christians that we can think about, Paul really had a tremendous ministry. I mean, you think about the many people who were one to the Lord and the, uh, the mission trips and all of the things that he did, but he said, it's not just going to be me, it's going to be everybody, right? Who, uh, everyone who has loved his appearing. Who won't love the Lord's appearing? The sinner will love it, right? Because it will mean condemnation to them, right? But all the saints will love the Lord's appearing, right? They'll be like, woohoo! He's come for us, right? Uh, so it will be uh, exciting. Uh, whenever I went to my son's house this morning early to let his dogs out, and it was before really uh, very much light at all, uh, and the neighbor came out because I let the dogs out and his dogs were out. Who let the dogs out, right? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so when I let the dogs out and he looked over and recognized it wasn't Ben, and he asked me about how, you know, if the baby was born and all that kind of stuff. And so then, then uh, as he turned to go inside and he opened the door, obviously his wife must have been awake too, and he said, like that. So he was excited just for my grandbaby, for Ben, right? And for Haley. Uh, but we'll be more excited than that, right? Uh, it'll be a, a great day. Let's read verses 9 through 13. Be diligent to come to me quickly. If you were in prison, you'd be lonely. That's why we need to visit people if we can. In jail, in the prison, uh, in nursing homes, in the hospital. That's a lonely place, can't be. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So Paul's given an example of a person who wasn't a good friend, who forsook him, uh, and his motivation wasn't for the Lord, but his motivation was the world is demons, right? Uh, if your motivation is for the world, you can recognize it because it's about how much can I acquire? How can I get more? That, I mean, that's that's really the motivation of the world, isn't it? I mean, it's what, it's what we see. Uh, and it's not limited to the poor because the poor, poor want more, but even the richest of the rich many times just want more. Uh, so Demas loved the present world 
and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Now, Titus is one of his spiritual sons, uh, so he's not saying that Titus has done anything wrong. He's saying, it's just me and Luke, right? Uh, the only one he was saying that was Demas who had forsaken and, and having left the world. Then he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is youthful to me for ministry. You know, at one point in time, Paul didn't want Mark to go with him, right? Why? Because Mark got part of the way to a mission trip and decided he needed to come home, right? But later on, Mark was useful to him. That's a redeeming message, isn't it? That even uh, when we mess up, even when we don't follow through, even when we should have uh, not given up on working for the Lord, that God can still, we can be redeemed and God can still use us, right? Uh, what, a, what a great message. And Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Be diligent to come to me. Paul was not a superhuman. All of us need each other, right? All of us need each other. We're uh, not called to live this life, this Christian life, by ourselves. Uh, and he's, here's Paul saying, hey, don't fail to come to me. Come quickly. Get Mark and bring him with you. Bring the books and the parchments. Why? I believe Paul worked right up until the time of him being uh, martyred. I, I really do. Because he was diligently working for the Lord. He said, I'm being poured out. So every moment that he was able to, I believe he's still writing, right? Still encouraging people. Still uh, looking out for other churches and his faithful people that he had been mentored. So he, he's asking for that. Bring those things so I can continue to work for the Lord. Verse 14 and 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. How many of those are people who sometimes use you? Right? Uh, even when you're working for the Lord, it's known uh, you will still get hurt at times. Uh, you'll still uh, suffer even when you're working for the Lord. Uh, if somebody told you that once you get saved, everything will just go wonderfully and smooth and you'll never have any problems and everybody will love you, they lied to you. Because uh, <laughs> that's not always true, is it? We know that it's not. Uh, now, is it a good life? A absolutely. Uh, it's good to serve the Lord. It's a blessed life. Uh, but here, Alexander did it much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. But God's just God, isn't he? And that's what Paul is saying. Uh, God will judge him for that. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. So that's what Alexander was doing. He was saying, he said he's resisting our words. He was resisting the preaching. He was resisting the gospel and it may have been that he was resisting it to the point that he was persuading other people 
not to listen as well. It kind of sounds like that to me. Uh, so as we look at that, Paul is warning Timothy, don't be around this man. Don't take him in as a friend. Don't uh, allow him to do this to you. Uh, I think sometimes we as Christians struggle with this because we're called to witness to everybody, aren't we? And we're called to love everybody. But there are certain people that you still have to be aware of. Uh, that you have to be careful around. Because they don't have good intentions for you. Uh, maybe they'll do things to harm you. Or do things to harm the work that you're called to do. So we still, even though we're called to love everybody and to witness to everybody. There are some people that you just shouldn't be around if you can avoid, right? Because they won't, they don't have good intentions towards you or for the kingdom. So we, we have to understand that. Sometimes you have to turn people over to the Lord and let God work on them. Because just because you uh, have had to turn them away from you and not associate with them doesn't mean that God's done with them. Amen? That's a good thing that God's not done with them. Uh, how, how many knows that God is more patient than we could possibly be. I mean, as we write people off many, many times before the Lord would, right? Verses 16 through 18. I, I really believe that Paul is kind of looking back over his life. This whole chapter, we see that. And he says, at my first defense, he's talking about when he was in prison the first time, no one stood with me, all forsook me, May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me. Isn't that powerful? That is so powerful. So good. Even when everybody else forsakes you, God's still with you. Right? The Lord stood with me. He didn't just stand with me, but he strengthened me, he says, so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now we don't know if this is figuratively speaking or literally speaking. Uh, but he's saying I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me. My son and his wife have been raising a garden this year and doing a lot of canning. That process is so that they can preserve what is in the garden now or later, right? So it will still be good. God preserves us. God protects us. He keeps us. He stands by us. He strengthens us so that we can continue on for him. He will deliver me from every work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So uh, Paul is saying even when everybody forsakes you, even when everybody gives up on you, then the Lord won't do it. And he's giving him, he takes kind of a praise break here. Have you ever looked back over your life and thought about how good God's been to you? I think that's healthy. 
sometimes we can look back over our life and see all the mistakes that we've made. And we, I've made a plenty. And you might be able to say the same thing. Uh, and we might even get saddened by what we wished we had done and didn't do and all those kinds of things. But uh, here, I believe Paul is saying, God has been so good to me. Let me can say that. Better than I deserve, as Dave Ramsey uh, talks about on uh, the radio. He's been good to me. And uh, I, I think it's interesting. He's looking back over his life. Um, he may not have any possessions. He's in a he's in the prison. Uh, he's cold. He's only asking for books, parchment, and a, a cloak to put over him just to keep him warm. I don't believe he had hardly any other possessions for himself. But he's looking back and he's saying, to God be the glory. Right? Uh, so what a, what a powerful uh, testimony. Uh, and then Paul is kind of here now wrapping up. He's giving his closing greetings uh, to his friends. He's uh, to Timothy and all those who are in the, the Roman Christians there. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus, stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Lydus sick. So Trophimus is sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. I think he wanted that cloak before it got too cold, right? Come before winter. Eubulus greet, greets you as well as Putin's, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. So when you get closer to going on to heaven, you start looking at the friends you've had too and the people that have been around you. So he's kind of just reminiscing, looking at uh, the people and the things that God's done for him, but also the people. I mean, that some of the blessings of God in our life are the people that he's put in our life. Amen? Uh, what a blessing for me to have known most of you uh, all of my life. Many, many of you. I've known for a long, long time. Uh, and it's been a blessing. And then those that, I, that haven't known very long, uh, it's been a blessing to get to know you even. Uh, so uh, here, that's kind of what Paul was doing. Then verse 22, the last word that we know of that Paul penned, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That sound like something to me. <laughs> Grace be with you. Amen. So the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. So that's Paul's final greeting. He's saying, Jesus be with you. Be with your spirit. And then grace be with you. How many knows we need God's grace? Amen. That's the most important thing that we can have because when we fail, it's what that's what gets us through, right? The grace of God uh, and his loving mercy and his kindness and uh, all of those things. God's grace. We are saved by grace through faith, right? So it's important for us to uh, understand that. All right, that kind of wraps up first and second Timothy. Uh, let's go through the questions that I have written out here, and then if you have uh, any other questions, we'll do our best to look at those.
Question number one, according to verse one, who did Paul charge Timothy before? Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What was Timothy to preach and when, according to verse two? The word and when. Always. In season. Always. In season and out, right? Verse three, kind of a fill in the blank. Paul warned Timothy that there would come a time when sound doctrine would not be endured. Question four. Being poured out has the idea of a complete, thorough, however, whatever word you might want to put in there. Uh, that means that giving with no, no reservation. So you did pick up on that. I didn't stress that too much, but y'all did good. No reservation. No holding back, right? Who would give Paul the crown of righteousness? The Lord, the righteous judge. According to verse 11, who did Paul ask Timothy to bring with him and why? Mark, and why? Useful for the ministry. According to verse 10, why did Demas forsake Paul? Love this present world. According to verse 15, who did Paul warn Timothy to beware of? Alexander the coppersmith. Question 9, according to verses 16 and 17, who stood with, the, with Paul at his first defense? No one but the Lord, right? <laughs> Verse 10, how soon does Paul want Timothy to come to him? Or when? 